Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. Good to be back in the studio with you. Hope you enjoyed the uh, the first ever on-the-go episode last week where we talked a little bit about the uh, midweek portion of Speed Weeks. We talked to a couple of the drivers and uh, kind of tried to keep you guys up to speed with everything going on at the World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing at New Smyrna. And, uh, of course, this episode is going to be all about the World Series, the good, the bad, the ugly, the great, the, you know, anything that kind of comes up. We're going we're gonna to look back at the predictions that we made on last week or two weeks ago in the preview show to see how badly I did. Also, uh, towards the end of the show, we will recap the Daytona 500. Again, this will be a comprehensive Speed Weeks episode, so the first half will focus on the World Series at New Smyrna, second half at Daytona, and then uh, maybe we'll cover a few other things at the end. Um, this episode, very special announcement here, take care of a little business, pay some bills, if you will, is brought to you by our friends at Speed Racer Photography. That's Tyler Sontag, as many of you know him from around the state, as he photographs at various speedways, primarily the Citrus County Speedway. I know we got some great shots of the super late model race, the SRL series race, and the sportsman series race over the past weekend. Um, so if you need anything done, photos, uh, framing, hero cards, you name it, Speed Racer Photos will take care of you. And from what I understand, you know, if, if you don't have a, a good picture you want, Tyler probably has it. Just get with him, let him know what you need done, and he'll get it done for you. But we do have a brand new sponsor and uh, this sponsor has signed on basically for the year. And uh, it's huge for the show. Um, it shows the reach that this show has, um, even with its small niche environment. Uh, we welcome American Auto as the new, I guess you can call it, primary sponsor of the podcast. Uh, EJ Wilcoxon, as many of you know, uh, pace car driver, tire guy, American Auto aficionado, if you will. Um, he has signed on with the American Auto brand as our latest partner. And uh, we, we appreciate that because if you remember a few episodes ago when we were talking tires, um, I mentioned that he had, he had called me about that episode and said, hey, I heard your show. I want to give you some facts and figures. And um, I, I really appreciate uh, his, his outreach in, in to, to straighten things out. And he heard the episodes and, you know, he told me, I hear a lot of people talk about your show. And uh, so he wanted to become a supporter. So we welcome American Auto as our brand new long-term partner of the show. So thank you guys. Thank you to everybody who is or has supported the show, either with sponsorship or just by listening. I know there's a lot of people that appreciate this show. And, um, you know, hey, it might not be for all because, again, a, a lot of the show is my opinion. That's why it's the Racing with Ryan podcast. I will say... Before we dig deep into the World Series, if there's anything negative about World Series, about a, a particular race, it is not meant to, you know, devalue that race, that series. It's just an opinion. Not every race is going to be a barn burner. So I just want to make that clear. I'm not trying to crap on any series. I'm not trying to say that any division is any less important than any other class. But uh, obviously, I will be ranking things. I like to rank things. So just, just keep that in mind. It's not... Uh, the analysis is not always going to shine a positive light on every little thing. And I do like to analyze. I do like to rank. I like to give my thoughts and opinions. But I don't want that to be 
looked at as a, as I'm degrading anything. So disclaimers out of the way. Thank you to our sponsors. Let's get into covering the World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing. So two weeks ago on the prediction show, I made some bold predictions. And I want to go over all of that. And then kind of what we'll do is we'll go into the big four divisions. And I'm going to go in order of the division that I enjoyed the most to the division that I enjoyed the least overall. And then we'll talk about the weekly or the, you know, the local stuff. We'll talk about the touring series as well quickly. Um, uh, again, like I said, on the hot lap that uh, rudely got cut off. Facebook was having issues when I tried to do it and uh, it just wasn't letting me back in. So it's kind of an incomplete show. So hopefully this show will be more complete for you. Um, I'm not going to be able to go through each night, recap each race or else I'll be talking longer than I have time for and longer than you all would want to listen to. So this will be a an overview, an analysis, a recap of sorts, just not a lap-by-lap, race-by-race analysis. So let's dive into this thing. I, I, think, you guys will, I think you guys will enjoy the show, uh, even if it's uh, just me pretty much talking today. Um, okay, made some predictions, and I was, I was wrong about a lot of things, and I, I knew I was going to be. Just because it's very hard to predict what's going to happen after nine nights of racing. Um, And and I'm going to go over this paper just like I covered it on the show. So in the tour mods, I predicted the tour modified race, the 200, the wheel and tour race, was going to be won by Ryan Priest. He led some laps, but was also involved in the wildest wreck of the day that involved Andrew Krause, who hit the wall head on. Um, I predicted Ryan Proust was going to win that race. And I think the reason I predicted he was going to win that race is because it was the only modified race that he had planned to run. And I just figured, well, he's going to make the most of it. He gave it a good run, but he did not win that race. Of course, Matt Hirschman did. Um, in the 76 lapper, I predicted Marcelo Refrano was going to break out. Well, it didn't really, it didn't really go that well for Marcelo. Looking at the points here, uh, just outside the top 10, so all in all, not a bad week for him, but man, did he struggle at the end. Uh, just a total of four points over, um, well, uh, I take that back, a total of 32 points over the final four nights, so that kind of hurt him, but I I, I, I don't know. I, I try to be bold in my predictions. That one didn't work out because, of course, the 76 was won by Matt Hirschman, but here's the first one I got correct. I said the Richie Evans was going to be won by Matt Hirschman, and sure enough, he did, so one out of three on the individual races. Let's check how I did on the points. I said Matt Hirschman was going to win the championship. He was close. He was second, 12 points out. If it wasn't for that soft tire on the first race, man, it it was going to be really close. But got to give an attaboy and a shout-out to Jimmy Blewett for coming home the champion. Man, that what a, what a solid, solid run. Here are his finishes. Ready? In the five points races, second, third, second, 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 that is the model of consistency, folks. Yeah, he didn't win a race, but when's the last time you've seen the Tommy Baldwin number seven not have, first of all, not have bad luck, but run that well? Jimmy Blewett laid it down on him this week, and I didn't even have him in my top three or my wild card. Um, in second, I had Patrick Emmerling. Emmerling was, let's see, sixth, so close. And then I had Ron Silk third. Ron Silk won a race, one of only three drivers to do so, by the way. And um, let's see, he finished one, two, three, fourth, fourth in the points. So my top three in the points weren't too far off, but I didn't have Jimmy Blewett anywhere on the radar, man. And boy, was that, uh, it was refreshing to see Jimmy have a good, a good week. I know he wanted to win that 76 lapper, but 
you know, he, he seemed very humble in victory lane. Um, you could tell that after three second place finishes in a row to Matt Hirschman, that he was getting a little bit annoyed with the 60 car that kept beating him. But I loved his interview where I said, oh man, you must've been, uh, to, to look up in your mirror and see Matt Hirschman behind you, that must've been the last thing you wanted to see. And he goes, well, yeah, you know, Matt, Matt's a great competitor, but to have been able to hold him off in my mirror for so many laps tells us that we got a good piece. And I, I thought he was very humble. Um, I thought his interviews were great. Um, and I thought he had a great World Series. So congratulations to Jimmy Blewett on, uh, on winning the championship. In my wild card, I want to check in on the wild card, Spencer Davis started the week off pretty terribly. It was, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say an afterthought in the tour race, but didn't have a great run. Then he had transmission problems. They finally got the car going right because he completely missed, he missed the first race. Then he finished outside of the top 25 in race two. And he got 40 points, 32, and 26 for a total of 150. That put him, let me count this, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12th in the standings. So, again, that's why he was my wild card. He was either going to be really good or he's going to be off the radar. And he did. He did all right for, for a team that even didn't qualify for the first night because they only started 32 of the 41 qualifiers that night. And he did not make the cut. So, um, you know, very interesting with the tour modifieds. I guess we'll... We'll go ahead and just kind of recap that division. Um, I would rank them as my second favorite division of the week. They had great car counts. It's amazing watching 30-plus of these things tear off into the corners five nights in a row. It was incredible how many of the drivers uh, hung around. Uh, we even had drivers on the, the list, good drivers, like uh, Good Ale, uh, the 59, the uh, Mendoza car. They were on the entry list, and a couple more, too. I'd have to go completely analyze it but uh, they decided that after the tour race they had enough and went home and yet we still had enough cars to make it where i don't even think people realized that there were cars on the entry list that never showed up you know what i mean so the car counts were good the races were decent uh matt hirschman did matt hirschman things for the second year in a, in a row he won the last three events second the day before so the last four events he did not finish lower than second it was a 20 point 28-point effort on night number one when he just slipped through the field. And I remember the next day asking Ben, I'm like, what was up with Hirschman last night? I, that was very uncharacteristic of him. And Ben said, oh, he had a tire going down. So, you know, that just shows you right there that uh, over a five-race series during the World Series, one bad race can put you behind the eight ball. And honestly, if Hirschman had finished like fifth that night, he probably would have won the championship. So, um I thought the races were were good, uh, always entertaining. Uh, I thought the tour mod, uh, the wheel and tour mod race was was a spectacle. The I, I, that was my favorite race of the series for them, even though it didn't count the points and all that, uh, because of the strategy, the the different pit road rules to try to keep costs down. Uh, it mixed up the field, did a bunch of different leaders. The final three nights, um, pretty much Matt Hirschman's playground. Now he had a heck of a duel with um, Jimmy Blewett on the Thursday race and the 35 lapper got by him with two to go. I love Matt Hirschman's line. He kind of runs up the hill and with these modifieds, you can, there's a little more maneuverability versus a super late. And he would run up the hill and get that run off the corner. When he got to the inside of blue it, I remember sitting up there next to Ben and I just said, that's it. That's it. He just won the race. And sure enough, he did. Um, you know, there were, there were a few wrecks here and there, uh, but nothing that was like so bad that, that it's even memorable. Just a couple of, couple of pileups, but nothing nothing too major. Really was a, uh, given all the cars out there, 
a relatively clean series for the Modifieds, and I, I did enjoy them. I always do. I love how this class is fought back from, from the grave almost. I remember the first World Series I ever attended as a fan, not working there, and not really knowing the history of the World Series and what it was all about, but I remember wanting to do the Speed Weeks thing. I went to a couple races at Daytona, went to, uh, like I think, eight of the nine nights at New Smyrna just because I found that to be more fun. Um, sorry, seven of the nine nights at New Smyrna. And uh, I remember seeing the tour mods. I'm like, oh, these things are cool. It's the only time they race here from what I understand. Got to go check them out. But I remember seeing like 14 cars on the grid, and I'm like, man, oh, well, hey, hopefully it's, you know, these things are cool. Here, So here we go, Ryan Priest out there. I know that name. And uh, to see it go from that to, my goodness, I mean, the, the final point standings are just incredible. Um, like I said, we did have a, a number of drivers um, uh, looking at the list here that were on our entry list that did not race, including uh, Chris Finichero, Joe Bertuccio, uh, the Steve Mendoza car, John McKennedy, David Catalano, and uh, a, a couple other guys that were, were just kind of randoms. But, um, I mean, all in all, this is it's grown so much. And it's it's now the spectacle that it should be. Whether you thought the races were, you know, the barn burners that everybody wanted or not, I think everybody enjoyed the tour modifieds, even if just for the 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 sounds, the sights, the the rumbling that thirty of these cars produce while racing. It it's pretty incredible. And hey, they they race way different than anything else. I mean, watch their lines. Go go analyze the Matt Hirschman move on Jimmy Blewett with three to go or four to go on the Thursday night race. It, it's incredible what these cars can do with the super late models. They're like slot cars and um, they got to run a groove and everybody's running the same groove. Everybody's running basically the same speed and uh, it's just a completely different animal. And uh, I, I rank the tour modifieds as my, my second favorite. So I'm just kind of looking at the points. A, a driver that really stuck out to me that really impressed me was Teddy Hodgson. I uh, didn't win a race, but was fast did well in qualifying, and finished third in the points. First World Series for him, and he finished third in points, beating guys like Ron Silk, Patrick Emerling, Craig Lutz, uh, Joey Coulter, Ronnie Williams, Tyler Ripkema, uh, veterans of this series. So I hope that Teddy comes back, and, and I, I really think that, uh, I, I think he will, because I, I think he learned a lot. He's a young kid. It's not Ted Hodgson, by the way, Teddy Hodgson. Make sure make sure you don't make that mistake on uh, his welcome post next year. Um but no, he, he really, he was the guy that stuck out to me because you got Blewett, Hirschman, Silk, Emmerling, Lutz, Kopsick, Coulter, Williams, all these big names. And he was right up there in the thick of it with those guys mixing it up. So um, definitely want to give that team a shout out. They That should have been my wild card pick. That would have made me look a hell of a lot better. But uh, yeah, that that's um, my, my quick thoughts on the Modifieds. Um, again, Hirschman sweeps the final three nights. Um, Craig Lutz for racing for Donnie Watts in the 82 got his first win in that car. Ron Silk picked up a win. So the veterans definitely did shine. And, and we did have a lot of new cars, which was or a lot of new drivers, which was great. But the veterans definitely shine. The experience at New Smyrna, you know, th- this is an experience track, man. It, it definitely showed. Uh, but great series overall for those tour modified. So let's, um, well, I'm like I said, I'm going to go right down the list here. The Florida modifieds, my goodness, Wow. Shocker in the Florida Modifieds this year with Terry Fisher Jr. Let me just start there. Um, so, decent enough car count, decent enough turnout at the beginning. 
We had enough cars. They just didn't last. It, it was just like last year. Better turnout this year than last year. So I, I will eat crow on some of the comments that I had on the Florida Modifieds and how they're dead already and it's going to be a disaster. It wasn't a disaster at the beginning. It, it The attrition, the crashes, the mechanical issues, the disqualifications, the upset people, it took its toll. So we got back to exactly where we ended last year, to like a night earlier this year. But uh, the overall grand scheme of things, Terry Fisher, Terry Fisher Jr., just, man... What a week for him. Let's look at his finishes. Second, second, first, first, third, second, first. He won the championship by 16 points. 16 points. And and, and that's a lot. When when the field shortens down, there's not a whole lot to stretch things out. And he won it by 16. And um, my goodness, I, I didn't have this guy anywhere on my radar. Didn't know anything about him. I literally didn't know a thing about him. And, uh, you know, I did some research. I, well, he won a race here. He's won some of this. He's run late models. He's run modifieds. He's a veteran. But I'd never heard of him. And I know him now. And I'll never forget Terry Fisher Jr. I hope he comes back next year. And I feel like since he had a positive experience, won a championship, he probably will come back. Um, obviously, everything can change year to year. He might want to come back and things don't work out. But if we see Terry Fisher Jr., on a list next year and I make these same predictions, then I'm going to want to put Terry Fisher up there on the list. Um, but let's, let's look at things here in the Florida modifieds, which I'll tell you my ranking of that class right now of the big four, the, the main four classes, definitely fourth. And again, not a knock on the Florida modifieds. It just ended up being what it was. Um, so I predicted Cody Stickler was going to win the 75 lapper, which be due to the attrition turned into a 50 lapper. And I was, right in a sense that he crossed the finish line with the lead first, but he didn't get to keep the win. He got disqualified, and I'm sure that made him mad. Same with Bruce Bennett. Bruce Bennett hates us again. I mean, you know, he he didn't hate us enough to want to come back and come out and, and test and run that other race, but the the, the place didn't suck when um, when his parts broke or did it. I don't I don't know, but uh, that's neither here nor there. That's just one of the things I saw on Facebook, but that's, that, that's Bruce for you. Uh, he'll either cool down and try again or or we won't see him for three years and either way um i don't think any less of him i'm not going to be that i'm not going to be petty like that anymore it his it it was tough i understand where he's coming from but uh in that 75 lapper yeah cody stickler bruce bennett dq'd i guess they didn't want to tear down or have things checked and hey that's their prerogative but they didn't get to keep their finishing positions And, and i get it hey there's only a handful of cars but tech still has to do their thing in if you want to say, oh, news motors tech sucked, well, that was CRA tech. So there's that. Um, so I predicted that Wayne Parker was going to win the championship. I was close. He was second. I predicted Jerry Simons was going to be second. I was close. He was third. Then I predicted uh, Tim Moore, who just had a horrible, horrible week. He only ran three races, got involved in a big wreck on night one, on lap one with Wayne Parker. And then something broke on the car night two, hit the wall. They retired the 15 car. He brought his 57 car out the day before the 75 lapper. And I guess he just didn't like the feel of it um, because he only ran that one race and then he didn't run the 50 or the 75, whatever you want to call it, technically the 75. Uh, He didn't even run that race. So um, definitely not the weekend that uh, Timmy Moore wanted. Tank Tucker started off. He looked to be the guy that no one was going to be able to touch. He won the first two races and blew up and that was it. So you look at those two guys. 
who you would you would expect to be there all week, uh, they didn't survive. Then you had the Humlets. Man, I feel bad for that family. Both their cars destroyed on the same night and uh, didn't survive past, what was it, night two. Um, so you hate that. And then you had Hunter Slayton, who just, he struggled to get the car to run. Bill Burba, I, I was wondering what the heck happened to Bill, the defending champion, because he was one of the last guys that we heard from. And by we heard from, like, they sent pictures. They wanted their posts on, on social media. Like, hey, we're coming. Can you please include us in your posts? We, we, we'd appreciate it. Now, obviously, if someone goes through all, all that to really assure you that they're coming, they're coming, right? Well, that, that just goes back to what I w- would say even on the preview show. You know, hey, there might be some people on the list that have things come up and don't make it. And apparently, um, the the Burbas, uh, Platinum Express Racing, they, they ran into some, some health issues. And uh, I'm not... I, I kind of got mixed reports on where the health issues were. So we hope that uh, whether it's it's driver or team related or family related, we hope everybody's okay. Because that was definitely, that was the biggest surprise to me to not have Bill there thinking, oh yeah, they're definitely coming. And they were bringing a super late model too. So, um, you know, that that's just one of those things where you just never know what's going to happen. Um, checking in on my wild card, which was Jared Allison. It was, you You could say it was a struggle. They had mechanical issues, but they made all but one of the races and finished fifth in points. So I'll call that a success to still be running at the end of this thing. Um, definitely more than what most people can say. So my predictions weren't too far off, but Terry Fisher, man, what I, it, to me, that was the surprise of the week. That was the story of the week. And that's the kind of thing I love about Speed Weeks. There's always, like last year, Cody Swanson. I didn't know anything about Cody Swanson. Doing some research, I knew he was a hot shoe, like a USAC guy, I think. Um, and then, of course, Cody won the Prolate Model Championship, went on, had that that awesome run in the uh, SRX series. And um, Cody didn't have the deal with with, with Platinum Express this year. Um, but so, you know, there, there's always that surprise. And to me, Terry Fisher, the Hoosier out of Indiana, he was the surprise. And very nice guy. Uh, we talked to him on the last episode. Uh, very nice guy. Very welcoming. I asked if I could come in his trailer and do an interview, and he said, yeah, come on in anytime, anytime. So, you know, that's uh, that's kind of the summary, uh, as best a summary I can do on the Florida Modifieds. We had attrition. Let's see, we had one, two, we had four drivers. Well, five, because uh, LeBeau was there all week, but one night he ran as an EMOD. Um, so really five drivers that made all the races. Jared Allison there the whole week. Six drivers survived. So it was definitely, it was tough, man. It's tough on these Florida Modifieds and. I was talking to Glenn, and not that I have any say on the schedule or how this would happen, but I made a suggestion to Glenn about what we could do to help with the Florida Modifieds. And apparently, um, in the drivers' meeting, one of the drivers' meetings, it was announced that the rules will be different next year. So all my gushing about rules and my my whole point about that was not giving my opinion on what they should do, but just pick something and go with it and put it out there we got to have the rules out more than a month before this thing so people can make plans. That was my whole point. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will hear it however they want, but at the end of the day, that was my point. The The rules are changing for next year, should open it up for more people to be able to come. But I also think what we should do with the modifieds, um, the first couple, like, I, I feel like the Friday, I'll leave that as is, but then run the 602 mods Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And Tuesday, no no 602s, no Florida Modifieds. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 
you run the Florida mods. You get the the 602s, a triple crown, triple threat, just like they have had. Cut the Florida modifieds back a couple nights. More is less. less sorry, less is more. Less is more in this situation. Um, you do all four races together. You give them a 75 lapper. The it, It's less commitment. You don't have to take as much time off to come down here. You still get to run four races. I think the quality of those four races will be way better than what we saw over the seven races this year. Not to take anything away from the Florida Modifieds, but to make it better for the fans, those watching on TV, and those participating. Because I, I think you... Maybe some of you Florida Modified guys weren't bored the last two nights, but I'm pretty sure you, you were. Because it was probably disappointing to have the division crumble like that. So, not that it was anybody's fault, but that's what I would do to still keep it alive instead of just an afterthought at this point. So uh, that's kind of where I am with the Florida Modifieds. My predictions were decent. They were decent. 602 mods. Looking at things here. Um, you know, I, I it wasn't too bad. It wasn't. My, my predictions weren't bad at all. Uh, there was no official points, but uh, I predicted that uh, my number one guy was going to be Karsten Dijon Tommaso. He was two wins in a second. That's pretty dominant. So I say I nailed that one right on the head. I said the 75 lapper was going to be won by Karsten. He made it very interesting. That race was a cluster and a half. Toby Smith did a freaking lawn dart stand on the front straightaway and hope he's feeling all right. I know it messed up his back a little bit. Um, that first race was insane. And then they calmed down a little bit and put on some good shows. They're, in my opinion, a very worthy class of having at the World Series. Um, I said the second guy was going to be Paul Hartwig, and he had an up-and-down weekend. At one point, almost flipped, but got, did get up on the podium. Um, I talked to Paul. They had a much better experience this year than last year, and I'm glad to hear that. Uh, last year was a last-minute thing. It was kind of thrown together, uh, but I talked to him afterwards, and he said he was very impressed this year. So, And, and that's a character where he's going to tell you exactly what's on his mind. Um, and then I said Lee Sharpston was going to be the third guy, and he blew a motor on the first night. So throw that one out the window. I missed that one. Um, and then I said the wild card was going to be Le Cicero. Uh, he, he did all right. I, I think the real wild card um, was Alex Collins, who filled in for Ryan Fisher. And I'll say he was the real wild card because we thought it was Ryan Fisher going to victory lane only to find out that, uh, yeah, that was Alex Collins in the car. They switched last minute. Um, that threw me for a loop, calling the guy the wrong name for 25 laps. And that threw flow racing. Nobody knew that he had switched drivers. So that's just part of the, hey, you always got to be on your toes at the World Series. Um now, again, I'm only ranking the top four, but like, like I said, I, I think the 602 modifies, they, they prove they want to be there because each year they've brought in 20-plus cars. Brought in, is that a word? They've brung, there were 20-plus cars there. And uh, yeah, the first night was a wreck fest. Um, a 75-lapper up front, yeah, that, that took its toll. But I, I enjoyed it. I think they're awesome cars. I love that... Uh, you know, it's not just a tour type modified with a with a 602 motor. They have different tires. It really differentiates between the two. Unlike the Super and Prolates, which are basically the same car minus the motor, same tire, same car. If you're not, you know, versed and you don't know the drivers very well, you look through the pits and well, these are all late models. Why are you splitting them up? That was my initial thought as a fan. Why are there two divisions of late models when you only have 12 in each? Put them together, make a race out of this thing. But uh, obviously, very different motors. Um, so I like I said uh, in the Florida modified portion of this, I would I would continue to run that triple threat series whether you start it on you know 
Sunday because of the tour modified race, Sunday, Sunday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday for the Florida mods, however you do it. I think three and four, and you kind of combine these two modified classes into one overarching uh, property, if you will. Uh, that's what I would do. And I, I, well, I personally look forward to having the 602s back, and I hope that they are back. I hope they become a regular thing. I think it's a great outlet for these guys who race at some of these awesome tracks like Wall Stadium and uh, Riverhead to come on down and, and have a place to be part of the World Series because they don't have the big motors like these Tour Mod guys. So that's my thoughts and opinions on the 602 mods. Definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I, I will say the Dijon Tommaso family, they're awesome. Um, Carson and Jared, man, they're, they're characters. They were uh, griping at each other in victory lane playfully. Um, the family, you know, you'd walk around and they came out to me and, and they don't know me from a, a horse's hoof. And uh, they come up to me and say, hey, we listened to your podcast the other day and we loved your story and we're so glad to be at the racetrack. And, um, you know, it's, it's little things like that. You know, I, I try not to, you know, World Series ain't about me. Hell no. But I, I do appreciate it when people that I don't really necessarily know that aren't regulars at our racetrack come up to me and and say they listen to this or just tell me how how, how excited they are to be here. That, 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 that right there makes all of this effort worth it. So moving now to the Prolate Model Division, and spoiler alert, that was my number one division of the week. Holy cow. The car counts were incredible. I'm looking at the um, the entries here. The only driver that was on our initial list that didn't make a start was Ricky Moxley. Uh, I think he decided to focus on the sportsman uh, rent-out effort and the the modified, which poor poor Ricky Moxley, first modified out for the week, definitely felt for him. Um, but yeah, there was over 35-plus cars there altogether. We started 35 on, on one race night. There was Rex, there was Calamity, but there was, in my opinion, it was the best competition of the weekend. You had Connor Jones, you had Corey Hall, you had Gus Dean, Jet Nolan, Giovanni Ruggiero, Michael Hind, William Sawalich, and uh, I'll even throw Jean-Philippe Bergeron in the mix as drivers that could come out and win on any given night. And now, obviously, the week didn't go all that well for Jet Nolan uh, past the first night, and Giovanni Ruggiero, Oh, and I'll throw Hunter right in there. He just had a miserable World Series. He was a contender to win. He had winning speed, but did not have luck. Um, and, and we did lose a few of these guys, the, these heavy hitters. So, and then then you throw Brian Kruzak in, who was a, a part-time guy. He only ran the last four nights, but he picked up a win. There was so much unpredictability in these prolates. Even after um, the 14th, when Michael Hind had won three out of four, you're thinking, well, this is over. And then, I, then it really got good. So, man, Prolate models were my favorite division. I ranked them number one of the big four. And um, let's let's see how I did with these picks, shall we? I predicted, first of all, I'll go to the 100 lapper. I predicted that Giovanni Ruggiero was going to win that 100 lapper. Well, he did win a race. He got his first win. That happened on the 12th. It was the second race. After that, it was all downhill for Giovanni. Uh, he got involved in a wreck with Hunter Wright. And then they got the car fixed. Uh, and some say it was retaliation. The team says it was brake failure. Only the truth knows the truth about that one. And I'm not going to touch on it because it doesn't... It's... it's. I don't know. I, I don't know. It looked bad live, but hey, if the team lost brakes, they lost brakes. And it just so happens that Hunter Wright got taken out in the aftermath. Who's to say? Hunter Wright's going to say that. That guy ran me over. 
the team's going to say, no, we lost breaks, but it, that it is what it is. The end result is the same. Um, so I said he was going to win the hundred lapper folks. He didn't even make it to the hundred lappers. So I completely whiffed on that one. Um, I said my wild card was going to be William Sawalich in the 24. Uh, I, I say that he fulfilled those wild card uh, requirements, if you will. Um, best finishes second during the heart to heart 100 finished third in points, had a solid first world series. Didn't get that victory, but again, he was solid. He was in the mix and that was a very competitive field of prolate models. Um, here's where I look good though. I said, Michael Heim was going to win this championship and sure enough, he did folks. That was one of the most intense, exciting championship finales that we've ever had in the world series. And, uh, it all started when poor Michael, cleared himself battling for the lead in one of the races and uh, ended up hitting the wall head on. He destroyed that primary car. I mean, destroyed it. And it was, that car was bad, real bad, bad fast. Um, his finishes up until that point, first, third, first, first, second. And then he got 18 points that night. Battling for the lead in the race, go figure. And uh, he came up, he tried to clear himself, came up across the front bumper of uh Caden Honeycutt and got himself spun into the outside wall. Michael Hine fans were saying, oh, he did that on purpose. And then they were hating on Connor Jones uh, because of what he said. Um, but if you go listen to Michael Hine's interview, and he's one of the most humble guys, nicest guys in the pit area, he says, no, I was battling for the lead and I, I wasn't quite clear. That's my fault. He took responsibility for a, an accident that could have, should have, would have taken him out of the points. But instead, he took responsibility. The team had a plan, and they went to work. And they worked through the night to take what was salvageable off the prolate, put it into the then superlate model, and convert that car over to a legal prolate so he could finish the World Series because that was their goal. Last year, if you remember, Michael Hind, horrible luck in the prolate model. They said to heck with it and went and concentrated on the superlate model. This year, they kind of did the opposite, and it paid off. As Michael Hine would make a comeback for the ages, finishing fourth in the final night to beat Connor Jones, who, in my opinion, self-destructed at the end. And, uh, yeah, you can say the lap car got in his way, but when you're racing for a championship and you know you have a gap, like a considerable gap where you can allow um, a couple of cars to get around you to slow down and safely pass lap car instead of going through the lap car twice. And I get it. That lap car got parked. So that lap car got its comeuppance. But in my opinion, the real loser in that was Connor Jones. And, uh, you know, the last year I was very impressed with Connor Jones kind of came out of nowhere. He was that great surprise last year behind Cody Swanson, uh, who should have, could have, would have won the championship last year and kind of had the same thing. Only he got taken out in the final night. Um, very impressed with Connor Jones last year. I was impressed with, Connor Jones's ability this year. You got a win, uh, two second place finishes, a third and more. Um, I was not impressed with his attitude. Not at all. I was very disappointed with his attitude and, um, you know, his, and now this was not in one of my interviews, so I didn't know this until after the fact, but the night where Michael Hine crashed out, he got on flow racing and called Michael Hines team a bunch of douchebags. I'm paraphrasing, but I believe douchebag was the word that he used to describe Michael Hind and or his team. And I just thought that, well, obviously this guy doesn't know Michael Hind's team. I get it. The heat of competition, the heat of the battle. He didn't appreciate how hard the racing was and thought that maybe Michael took some cheap shots at him. But, you know, I, I just feel like 
he didn't conduct himself very well. There were a couple nights uh, when he was finishing second, I go to interview him, and he was just like, I don't want to be talking. I'm mad. I, I Second's not good enough, and I appreciate that fire. I appreciate the spirit of competition, but I, I just thought that, uh, and Connor, if you do listen to this, don't don't think I'm picking on you, buddy. Um, but I, I just, sometimes when, if you're in the thick of the battle at the World Series, you're doing something right. And uh, you have every right to be disappointed because you came out here to win all seven races and, and you second place isn't good enough. I, I appreciate that. You got, that's very reminiscent of Kyle Busch. And I, I'm not a fan of his attitude either. So I, I thought that Connor Jones and that team did a commendable job. However, I, I feel like I don't know if the pressure got to him or what or the sense of urgency was just it was too early in the race to be letting a lap car dictate the outcome of your world series and it ended up killing him because connor the first time he drove through the 17 caused a wreck almost got caught up in it 17 got a huge warning and i glenn stands right behind me and i heard it says 17 if you don't stay on the bottom you're out of here same thing happened only this time connor jones ran into him on the straightaway ramped over the back of him and i kind of caught this in the corner of my eye like didn't see the initial contact but saw the car go up in the air so it was the 17 and i was like holy crap again and Glenn goes, 17, you're done. You're parked, you're done, that's it. So Glenn did his thing. But, man, like I said, Connor Jones was in a position that night. Michael Hines, the car was not as good. That particular car was not as good as the original. And Jones had it in hand. If He, he could have backed off and lost three spots in that battle and not dealt with that lap car, and probably he'd be the champion. But he's not. Michael Hines, in the backup car, completes the comeback, and it was, I mean, what an incredible moment. He won it by four points. That's two position, folks. Connor Jones, I, and I'll give Connor credit. When he came back out on the track, he initially brought it to the infield and appeared to be done. Took the window net down, sent the car dejected, got back out there, didn't lose a lap. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting heated. Um, came back out and just kind of really didn't go anywhere. And then the final two, three laps got up on the wheel, got two positions, but he needed more. And he only lost it by two points. And it was kind of the same same song, different verse, different outcome for Connor um, as far as how the, the night got derailed. But uh, for the second year in a row, Connor went from potentially winning a championship to finishing second. And that's got to eat at you. I'd be mad. But uh, hopefully this is a learning experience. And, and I expect I expect real good. I think we're going to hear the name Connor Jones, whether it be at the World Series or elsewhere, for years to come. I, I, I think he's got the talent. And I think he just needs to to be humbled just a little bit, and maybe this maybe this will humble him. But uh, I was correct on the Michael Hine for champion thing, so that's making me look good. I've got uh, let's see, oh, that's the first championship I've gotten correct. Um, picked a couple of the races correct, but uh, Michael Hine, congratulations on the championship. Um, great family. I remember walking through the pits one day, and they said, "Hey, come come have some food." And I don't ever go up to teams and ask if I can eat their food, but. They, they were just very welcoming. They worked hard. Uh, give Sam Falone and his team a shout out for working hard because they got involved in three or four wrecks and every night was working hard on that car to keep him going and he made all the starts. So uh, definitely some hardworking teams. Um, looking at second place, which was Connor Jones, and I didn't pick Connor Jones this year because he wasn't all that great at Red Eye, but I think that was just their test. So they definitely learned a lot from Red Eye and got better. Uh, but I picked Hunter Wright to be second. I think Hunter Wright had second place speed, um, got a third place on night one, then just kept getting involved in other people's crap. 
and just had a miserable week, but they stayed and raced all the races. And um, that that says a lot about Hunter Wright and his team. Yeah, it didn't go right for them, but they stayed and they participated and they were there. And uh should have been a better week for Hunter. And it just didn't, it wasn't meant to be. So I was wrong on that one. And third, I said, was going to be Giovanni Ruggiero. He looked really good. Uh, his first couple of nights, a third, uh, where'd he go? I lost, I lost track. Sorry. It was a, uh, it was a, a seventh or eighth, then a win, and then a third, and then downhill, and then out. So they didn't even survive the week. So I definitely missed on that one, but not because the, the car wasn't good, but just because his luck was bad too. His week was bad. That's that's how you sum it up. Uh, Michael Hinder, champion. Connor Jones, second. William Sawalich, third. Jean-Philippe Bergeron really turned things around. It was a struggle at the beginning, but really got better at the end. And then Dylan Stovall. Man, got to give this team a shout-out. The 24 team, I didn't know anything about them when they showed up. Beautiful-looking race car in just a solid week. Uh, best finish of, looks like, sixth, so not bad, not bad. They survived all the races and wind up fifth in the championship standings. Um, hard luck. Man, hard luck award on this one. I think it's got to go to Corey Hall or Gus Dean. Gus Dean had a great week going. Obviously uh, had a hub break. Car spun out while running in the top five. Hit the wall hard. The tire ricocheted off the brand new catch fence. Thank the Lord for the track improvements. I believe that fence over there saved some lives. The old fence, that tire would have went through the fence and probably hit something uh, or somebody. This time it ricocheted off the top of the fence and yeeted itself out of the woods and didn't hit anything. Thank God. Uh, that was a wild moment. Um, and then Corey Hall, that guy, that poor guy had about everything go wrong. DQs, missing qualifying, mechanical issues. And then when it wasn't going wrong, it was going right because he finished second, third, and second, and third. So his finishes that he got to keep were great. If it wasn't for those horrible nights, he was, man, that team had championship speed. And uh, hopefully they come back better and faster next year. And if they do, look out, Prolates. But uh, what a series for the Prolate models. I don't think we've ever seen a Prolate model series this captivating. Um, the Prolates used to be that, well, there's also these late models. And now I think the Prolates are transforming into, you better watch these late models if you catch my drift. So uh, they were my favorite of the week. Absolutely, hands down. Compelling championship battle. New faces up near the front. Michael Hind really blossoming into his own. And I, and I think we knew that was coming. Obviously, um, my predictions weren't just, let me pull those out of my butt. But after what I saw at Speedfest, I knew it was going to be good. And kudos to the team. They could have said, to heck with it. We're, our car's wrecked. Our things aren't going well with the super late. Let's just go home. But no, they put in the effort and they got the reward. So just a... Overall, a wonderful, wonderful series. 35-plus cars starting on one night, uh, around 30 still alive at the end. Um, you had different winners. Of course, Michael Hind won three of them. Connor Jones got a win. Um, Brian Kruzek got a win. And who else got a win? Somebody else got a win in there. Oh, yeah, Giovanni Ruggiero, he got a win in there too. So uh, very competitive. And even the guys that didn't win were very competitive. Gusty and Corey Hall... Um, Parker Chase, Williams Wallace, Jean-Philippe Bergeron, Jet Nolan was good at the beginning. Um, and I'll give a shout out to Darren Miller too. Um, this is a guy who came out here. He's deaf, uh, works with, uh, lights in the car from his spotter, if you will, that tells him where everybody's running car inside, outside, got involved in a few things, but made all the starts finished 15th in this huge field of cars. So I'll give them a shout out for sure. 
Moving over now to the final of our, well, big four divisions. And, of course, that's the super late models. Um, man, I, I was close. I was pretty close on my predictions. I, I went I went with a home track hero. I, I went with the sentimental, in my opinion, the sentimental favorite. Um, I just, uh, I, I missed it, though. I missed it by one. Um, here's what I'll say about the super late models. The... At the beginning, it was a bit scary because we didn't have many cars. Uh, but they showed up, man. They were there throughout the week. Just a lot of them didn't survive. We had a, a lot of mechanical issues. There wasn't too many crashes. A couple of minor spins, minor dust-ups here and there. It was mechanical stuff. Michael Hind experienced mechanical issues. Uh, Max Caius had issues. A um, couple guys that only were planning to run a couple of nights. So there's that. Uh, Morgan Hoover crash damage. Um, Gabe Somers, who had a great week going. Blew a motor. He was done. Bubba Pollard, he had motor issues. Um, Justin Drotty, crash damage. Took him out for a night. Jake Finch, I don't know what happened to Jake. Um, I didn't even know he was going to be there, and he had a great week going and didn't race the last night. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, I give the Super Late Models a ranking of third overall, the big four. It wasn't bad, but it just wasn't as compelling as 30-plus tour mods and 30-plus prolates with a championship battle that uh, came down to it. Now, I will say this. The Super Late Models had that championship potential. Derek Griffith stumbled on the penultimate race. Team got it fixed, got him back in contention, but the car still wasn't right. So the championship battle just didn't necessarily end up being as compelling as it was set up to be. Um, it looked like Derek Griffith was well on his way to a three-peat. We had two drivers trying to get the three-peat this year, and they wound up second. It looked like Derek was going to get it, and then he had those issues, I believe, with the rear end of the car. They got it fixed up, but he was just not competitive in the uh, Orange Blossom, and the championship was pretty much over um, about halfway through that race. You could just tell, unless Sammy Smith got taken out, unless there was a caution, unless some act of God happened, that it just wasn't going to happen. And... Uh, the championship did go to Sammy Smith, who had a great week. Uh, second, second, third to start off. Then a couple of mediocre runs in sixth. Then a win. And then a third. I, I wanted to say the same thing about Sammy Smith that I said about Connor Jones, where I didn't I didn't feel that his interviews were as, you know, up to par. And then I talked to Margo about it because I'm like, man, did Sammy Smith just seem dejected to win the championship? Like, it didn't matter? And um, we came to the conclusion, and, and this is speculation, so if Sammy Smith or anyone from the team listens to this, I'm not picking on your driver. Sammy did a hell of a job this week in a championship. I, I think even if he wanted to win more races and, and isn't happy about that fact, he's going to look back at being a World Series champion, and he's going to be happy about it for sure. But I think what happened was, and this is pure speculation, but William Byron was there in the other team car. William won the two big races, the 200 lappers. And I think that Sammy might have felt like, I didn't get the best piece. I should be winning these races. I was here all week. I should be winning these races. And maybe it has nothing to do with that. But after talking to Margo about it, I, I, I wonder if there was just a little bit of, man, I wish I was given that car. But no, they gave it to William Byron, the cup guy. Um, another side note here, really cool to have William Byron there and Ryan Priest there. Uh, William Byron was a complete surprise. 
I had no idea until it was posted online that he was going to be there. And there's always, this is what I tell you guys on these entry lists, there can always be surprises. And what a surprise that was. He did win those two races. Definitely a cool moment in my career to be able to go down to Victor Lane and talk to William Byron. And uh, definitely a guy I root for on Sundays. I uh, drives the 24. I was a huge Jeff Gordon fan, obviously. I know the actual 24 from Jeff Gordon's time is now the 9, but numbers are numbers, right? Um, so definitely a cool experience there. But I just wonder if Sammy Smith had a, a little bit of inkling like, damn it, those wins should have been mine too. Maybe, maybe not. Something to think about. Um, but no, it was Sammy Smith who won the championship. Uh, ended up winning it by 12 points, which is only six positions on the racetrack. And that just proves how one night, one bad run can either be overcome or can do you in. So Derek Griffith was very close to that championship, but uh, winds up second. So two firsts and a second over the last three years for Derek Griffith. Pretty incredible. Derek did get a win this year. I had a lot of different winners. William Byron was the only guy to win more than once. He run, he, he only ran three races. Probably would have won the other one if he didn't have that bad qualifying setup. Uh, third was Jesse Love, who got a victory. Uh, William Byron had two. Brad May won a race, and so did Stephen Nassi, who had a feast or famine type World Series. He got the win, and then other than that, he was, he, well, he was out there. And that was about it. So, um, what I'll say about the super late models, they entertained me more than I thought they were going to this year. Um, the other, the, it wasn't the 30 cars. Uh, we had upwards of 20 plus most of the nights. I think we averaged, uh, just quickly glancing over things. I think we averaged 22 cars a night, which is very solid. Any track would give to have over 20 super late models on track at any time, especially for 35 lap races. And to average that, I'll take it. I know the orange blossom only had 19, well, 19 on the grid. One of those didn't fire. So 18 took the green, but yeah, whatever. Spin that how you will. But um, when you look at the cars that didn't finish off the week, uh, we just we, we did lose some people. And, and that was the story. The Florida Modifieds and the Superlates had attrition. What you going to do? Um, so looking at my predictions, I said Brad May was going to win the championship. He won a race and finished fifth, so I missed that one. Uh, I said Sammy Smith was going to be second. He was first. I said Derek Griffin was going to be third. Well, he was second. So I should have just put those two first and second, put Brad May third. I would have looked a lot smarter. I said the wild card was Ryan Priest, and boy, he sure was a wild card. Uh, he missed it the first night out. He was not very good, but then the last two nights he finished second. Second in both of those races. So he definitely got it figured out. If we had one more night, I think maybe, just maybe, Ryan would have gotten a win. So I, I definitely think he was on the radar, and he did exactly what uh, what he came out to try to do. And he got some late model confidence. So that was good to see. Um, so I said, oh, man, I, I missed these for sure. And uh, if I had known William Byron was going to be in the field for Donnie Wilson, I probably would have said, well, hell, William Byron's going to win both these. I said Bubba Pollard was going to win the Triple Crown by winning at Citrus and winning the Clyde Hart and Orange Blossom. Obviously, Bubba was not in the field for the Clyde Hart. He had engine problems and finished, where'd he end up? Bubba, 40 points, so fifth in the Clyde Hart, fifth or sixth in the uh, Orange Blossom. And, of course, Ty Majeski won the race at Citrus. So I missed there, but I, I think I did okay on my picks. I'm pretty proud of my picks. It's hard to... It's hard to even get anything right when you're making predictions on something as unpredictable as the World Series where you're racing nine nights in a row. It's a whole season in a week and a half. And um, I feel like I did pretty good. And um, there was great racing. There was pretty good car counts. 
great people. We had the best gathering of people in that pit area I've ever seen. People having fun, people working hard to keep racing. Um, a couple of scuffles here and there. I know one team got reprimanded for being upset and getting into a scuffle, but you're going to have little things like that. And the little things that don't blossom into what happened a year ago, it, that's, I don't want to say acceptable because I don't want to promote that kind of stuff, but it's expected. So, um, in summary here, the World Series, this was the most incredible World Series I've ever been a part of. I know I wasn't around 20 years ago, but for me and the six that I have been to, this was my favorite. Yeah, it wore me out. Yeah, I did a lot of work, did a lot of walking, did a lot of things I didn't want to do, a lot of clean the grandstands, but it was so bad after the tour race, I had to help. And um, I, that that put me, that made me feel like an old man again the next day. I felt it in my quads and in my arms and my back, but uh, incredible experience. I wish that, um, I, I think some race fan that, that doesn't have the opportunity to be in an event like this would be would love to have been in my shoes this week to do the things I got to do, to meet the people I got to meet, to see the racing that I got to see, to work with Ben Dodge again, um, to work with CRA, who I just feel does a phenomenal job. They keep everything on schedule. Only one time did we start late, and that was because of weather, and then, you know, weather screwed up the practice schedule, then we had to qualify three classes, and we had a modified blow-up and oil down the track. And I remember seeing all that. I'm disappointed with New Smyrna and Flow Racing. Why say you're starting at 7.30 if you're not going to start at 7.30? not knowing that there was a, a a weather delay that that scrubbed half a practice. You can't control that. And then a modified blew up. You can't control that either. So, um, but all in all, Sierra did a great job keeping things that's on schedule to work with that many race cars. The pits were packed. They had to put bombers in the, uh, in the dirt, in the dirt parking lot in Israel's compound, if you will. Um, you know, uh, parking was hectic. Yeah. But, uh, I've never seen the place that packed. Never been a part of something that extravagant and, and fun. Um, getting to meet, you know, I've met Ryan Priest before, but having Ryan Priest and William Byron race with us, to have Matt Hirschman do Matt Hirschman things, to see Jimmy Blewett win a championship, uh, to see Michael Hind and that team that I've gotten to know pretty well over the last year um, do so well and, and, ju- and remain humble. And remain humble. It's really easy to get on a winning streak and then become a different person. It's, it's really easy to have stuff go to your head. And maybe I've been guilty of that, thinking, oh, you know, I'm some big thing. No, no. But I, I will tell you, I enjoyed the hell out of this World Series. And I'll also tell you that I took a new approach to the World Series this year. Instead of worrying about every little thing, I used to get so mad when I would see someone leave. I'm like, no, we're losing cars. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, we did lose cars. And we had 30-plus Tour Modifieds and 30-plus Prolate models tow out on Friday night, the place looked way different. It looked like a normal Saturday night at New Smyrna on the Orange Blossom night. But I went around. I said, well, hey, there's still 16 to 18 cars here. It's not terrible. There's William Byron's here. There's good drivers here. It should be a good race. Okay, the race wasn't the best. But when you have nine nights of racing, not every single night is going to be a barn burner. But if you judge the event on one night or one race or one division... Sure, you can find many things to be improved upon or many things that weren't great. But if you look at it as a whole, I, I, I think you'll say the same thing I'm saying, that this year's World Series is a great success. And it can only get better. 
But for it to get better, the same amount of hard work that everybody put in this year will have to be even more next year. I'll have to work harder. I'll have to pace myself but even better. Uh, Rusty, and, and he even admitted, he, he'd love to have some help in his department too, if it were possible, to help take this thing to the next level or, or keep it. People care about this again. Did you see the media circus after each race? One of the hardest things was getting the damn media off the track so that we could keep racing. And I know that was one of the pet peeves from a lot of people, like, let's go, let's go. But so many people care. And the other alternative is, there's nobody talking about it. Nobody cares. And you don't get the exposure. If you're a racer, you got exposure this week. If you were up on that podium, especially for the late models or modifieds, people were seeing you. A whole bunch of people watched on Flow Racing. You know, Flow Racing was, they paid a lot of money. And they made sure that they got the spotlight. And they had every right to. And, uh, you know, uh, Speedway Video, our video guy, he isn't able to put his videos up. He, he recorded them. You know, he gets paid by the track to record to the bar. That's the reason the track pays him. But everything else is his YouTube that he's lucky to be able to do. And, yeah, I, I got kind of upset about it because I see other people posting clips and getting hits, and I know that Tom is not losing out on it when, you know, he actually works at the track and he's getting the short end of the stick. But at the, at the end of the day, and I know this, you know, NASCAR owns all that, and they can dictate what we're allowed to do with it. That's why we don't live stream every event, guys. Um, but it just sucks because, you know, Tom's my friend. I, I appreciate Speedway video. I appreciate watching the videos. So if he's not even able to post those later, I will miss them. Hopefully he'll be able to do the regular season. From what I understand, he will be. So at least we have that. Um, Judson, if you guys know Judson, he just he got in trouble by NASCAR. He didn't have the right credentials to do the interviews and stuff that he was posting. Um, NASCAR's cracking down again, guys. NASCAR is they're taking things serious again. They I, they have different leadership now, and they're exercising their rights, is what I'm going to say, and that's where I'm going to leave it. I thought Flow Racing had a great team of people, and I'm not mad at Flow Racing. I didn't have a good experience when I got Flow Racing because I didn't realize I was getting charged $150 when I didn't have $150 to spend. I had $12.99 to spend, not $150, but got that all situated. It's all good. Um, that That's my only thoughts on that. Uh, the Flow Racing team, you know, um, Mark Keeler does a fantastic job with the production. Adam Mackey and Charles Crawl do a great job with the commentary, and they're totally different than, they have a different approach than I do and different approach than each other. And uh, although I didn't see a whole lot of what they did or hear a whole lot, I saw clips, and I, I think they captured the essence of the World Series completely. So that's, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that's, um, that's definitely a good thing to have that coverage. So people care. The World Series is a big deal again. Is it like it was in the 80s? I don't know. You tell me. If you were there, you tell me. But I feel like the way things have been when I first started, and I enjoy when I first started because it was my first World Series experiences, but people are saying, oh, this is garbage from what it used to be. It ain't like that no more. And my goal is to do my part and to keep doing what I've been doing the last few years with all these welcome posts because that's getting repetition. People are seeing it. People are being aware. I want to be part of this. Look who's being a part of this. I want to be part of this. It's big again. If we keep that up, it will remain that way. So, in summary, this year's World Series at New Smyrna, the best I've ever been a part of. A lot of work, you bet your butt. A lot of long days and sleepless nights. Yes, tenfold with a, with a child. 
Um, it was great to have that uh, World Series experience with with my child. Got to I I, I spent enough uh, as much time as I could with her in Dawson and in Margo um, until it got closer to showtime. So um, definitely enjoy that. Can't wait for her to get older and like actually enjoy it, if you will, and be a bigger part of it. Uh, cannot wait for those days. But man, this is uh, I think we're coming up on like an hour of me talking about World Series. So. Um, Again, number one, Prolates. Number two, Tor Modifieds. Number three, Superlates, who had some really good battles, by the way. And uh, then the Florida Modifieds. And uh, 602s were great. Uh, congratulations to Travis Devendorf winning the Sportsman 50. That was a huge win for him. Derek Pugh swept the pro truck races. Um, of course, Matt Hirschman won the Big 200. Sammy Smith won the Arkham Arts East race, which... It wasn't the most competitive race. That was not the best race of the weekend, but still glad to have that series there. I hope they come back. I hope that they have a resurgence. They need a resurgence. And I don't I don't know what the answer is. That's so far out of my realm, but I hope they have a resurgence and I hope they have a more competitive race next time. I hope the race at Five Flags is enjoyable. But I do enjoy being a part of that series. Um, I thought the pre-race stuff was much better this year. It was handled much better. And uh, I, I enjoyed that experience, but could have been a better race. Let, let's be real. Thankfully, the, the the two competitive cars that were there actually battled and raced each other, so it wasn't too bad. I think there's more lead changes in this race than last year. So if you want to look at it that way, it was still okay. Um, what else was there? Um, Jim Snyder won the Bombers. A lot of dominance uh, from, from the track regulars. Uh, Justin Spears dominated the... Uh, Superstock race, which was, I, I love that race. That, that was very, it was a fun, the Superstocks are a great way to cap it off because our locals show that they have some flair. Even if this year's race wasn't a barn burner, it was still a good race. Still had a good car count. Still had some out-of-towners there that made it fun. Um, trying to think if I missed anything. Ground Pounders, uh, boy, what a what a dominating performance for Christopher Hatton. He lapped the field in the Ground Pounder race. Um, E-Mods, well, you guys let me down. I, I, I begged you not to. You didn't show up, but I know that you'll rebound in the regular season. So I'm going to go ahead and let this one go. I'm not going to harp on it. It is what it is. Appreciate the emos that did uh, hang out and run with the modifieds. I'll put it that way. Um, trying to think if I missed anything. If I did, I apologize. But uh, overall, I give this year's World Series, I, I, I give it a solid 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. 90%. I think I said 9.5 last year. We got it. I, I like what Rusty said. We got to find a bigger hook for the final race to keep people invested and in, and in to make that uh, make that more of a, an ex, uh, extravagant finale because it did taper off. I had one guy message me. I'm here for the first time in years, and this is all you have. Where are all the cars? Where's all of this? And I, I wanted to be like, you've been living under a, a rock the last eight days because the last eight days have been incredible. All the cars were here up until last night. And what I said was, oh, man, I, I wish you could have been here the rest of the week because we had a ton of cars. Two big divisions were done last night, and they pulled out. And we've lost a lot of the late models and the modifieds. Uh, attrition's been a big deal. And uh, his response was, well, I came back in the day, and there was always a lot of cars at the end. There wasn't the, Attrition was never a problem. And my response was, well, things are different now, and uh, there's nothing we can do about attrition. But enjoy the show. I hope, uh, hope you got something out of it. Um, so yeah, if you just judged it on the final night, yeah, not the best world series ever, but if you judge it as a whole, I think it's right up there. So those are my thoughts. And, um, I'd love to know what you guys have to say about it. 
because I know that there were different experiences from different folks. In my experience, positive. I made sure I had a positive experience. I did everything in my book to make sure that I was going to enjoy this year's World Series because last year, it wasn't all that enjoyable for me. So I did what I had to do to enjoy it. I hope that you found things to enjoy. And if you didn't, I'd, I'd like to know why. If you did enjoy it, I'd like to hear what you have to say as well. So make sure you comment on the page or get with me. Let me know. Um, I put out a thing. This is my final thought on the World Series. I put out a thing. What was your favorite class for the World Series? It was overwhelmingly prolate model. I was going to go back and read through the thread. Uh, a couple of people like the tour mods just because it's a spectacle. It's always a spectacle. We get to see them once a year. So yeah, that that's always going to have uh, people that like it no matter what. Um, it could be like it was with 14 cars a few years ago. People are still going to like them the best, and that's cool. But it was overwhelmingly pro-late model. Like, I don't even have to read the thread. I can just think about it and know that it was pro-late model. But again, let me know what you guys thought of the World Series as a whole. And uh, hopefully it's even better next year. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break, and then I'm going to talk about the Daytona 500. And spoiler alert, I really enjoyed that too. This episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast is brought to you by Speed Racer Photos and Tyler Sontag. For all of your racing photography needs, make sure you get with Tyler or check out Speed Racer Photos on Facebook. They provide digital photos, framed pictures, large print pictures, and even those ever-popular hero cards for those autograph sessions that we get to do again. Um, he also does personal photos for teams. He'll travel with the team, take all the pictures you need for all of your media. So, again, for all of your racing photography needs, make sure you check out Speed Racer Photos or get with Tyler Sontag. <laughs> we welcome a brand-new sponsor to the Racing with Ryan podcast family, and that, of course, is American Auto. We thank American Auto for coming on board and supporting the show, and you should support them as well. For all your tire and service needs, make sure you check out American Auto. Now, one of the biggest things you hear in the auto industry is, well, I don't know who to trust. Well, I'm going to give you a testimonial about my experience with American Auto. And uh, I had a, a situation a few years ago during Speed Weeks that I needed to address because I wasn't going to be able to get home because I had an electrical issue draining my battery. I took my vehicle to American Auto, and not just because I knew who EJ was, but because I knew they were right down the road from the racetrack, and uh, they'd likely be able to get me fixed up. So I get home. I got a jump, drove it down there, took it in, and uh, they, they looked it over. And then they realized that it was a, a, a motor issue in my window um, with, with the electronic windows, and they were completely honest with me. And instead of doing a whole bunch of things that didn't need to be done or trying to nickel and dime me for something that wouldn't fix the problem, they said, hey, this is a problem you're going to want to take to a dealership. And um, based on your zip code, there's one, you know, 10 minutes away from you. I'd say take it there and they'll be able to get it fixed for you. Now, a lot of auto dealerships, they won't, they won't be up front with you on that kind of thing. They will tell you you need this and this and this done, and then they'll be like, oh, by the way, your big issue is going to have to be done by somebody else, but they'll still want to get theirs. The folks at American Auto, whether you deal with EJ directly or any of his staff, they will, A, take care of the problem or give you a recommendation of where to get it done if they're not able to take care of you. Um, they'll do right by you, and they won't try to charge you for things you don't need. So American Auto tire and service. It's all good people. It's all good service. 
and they will do what they have to do to take care of you. American Auto, a brand new sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. All right, to wrap up this edition of the Racing with Ryan podcast, we have to talk about the Daytona 500. Of course, Speed Weeks, you can't go through Speed Weeks and not mention Daytona. Whether you like it or not, I saw a lot of people that uh, say they don't give a crap about NASCAR still paying attention to the race, whether they watched the whole thing or they followed it on Facebook or they watched the ending or they watched the big wreck or whatever it was. Um, I definitely want to talk about it. This was a big year for NASCAR in the Daytona 500. Obviously, the next-gen car or the current-gen car, the Gen 7 car, whatever the heck you want to call it, made its debut in a points-paying race. Of course, we had the Clash, which wasn't a big... Uh, it's, which wasn't a true testament of what it's going to be like. We're not going to race at any quarter-mile flat track all season long. So this was the first big test. Now, I said last week I was going to reserve judgment on the car itself until we get to a couple of these mile-and-a-half short tracks. Um, I, I'll give it about... But we've got to give it a sample size, you know, five, six races, whether I think this thing is going to be good or not. Uh, we've heard a lot of hype about this car and how it'll drive better and it'll be better on road courses and it'll be better overall, and we'll see. But what I am going to judge is the Super Speedway package. Um, Super Speedway racing is some of my favorite racing. I love the unpredictability. I love the wild action, the lead changes, the passing, the crashing, the wild, you know, you're going to see it on highlight reel type moments. And disagree with me all you want. If, if you're a racing purist and you don't like that kind of style of racing, I completely respect your opinion. California's coming up. Um, so I, I went into this race with an open mind after watching the duels, which I knew weren't going to be that exciting, and they weren't, but when have the duels been exciting since the charter system came in? Let's be honest. Last year, great restrictor plate package. Duels were crap. The year before, same story. Duels were crap. So I didn't take too much out of the duels. I, I said, well, let's wait until we got all 40 cars out there and we're actually racing in the Daytona 500. So I just, I, I watched the highlights of the duels. I wanted to see who won them. I wanted to see if there was any action. And really the only action was Joey Logano throwing a bad block and getting wrecked. Um, but again, that wasn't a full takeaway. That was a very small sample size in a race where I think drivers were mostly concerned about taking care of their equipment. And that's what happened for 95% of it. So again, not a true test there. So what did we get in the race? In my opinion, we got a great race. We got an all-time classic Daytona 500. It was a mix of old school, like early 2000s, mid 2000s racing with the pack racing that we've come to expect. Now, it wasn't a whole lot of like three by three, but I think that's more susceptible to Talladega where it's a little bit wider. I think with this car, that third lane, it just, it, it's not going to go anywhere. So you didn't see it, but you had good side by side two lane racing. And if you think back to, we talked about the test a few months ago that they had at Daytona. And to me, the racing at the test, which a test can always be deceiving because you don't really know how hard are they pushing it. The racing looked a lot like that test. And I think that's a, a good thing because that was, it's more of how do the cars do not so much. What are the drivers doing? I think we got a good, good look at it, a good preview and we saw some really good racing, in my opinion. 35 lead changes, way more lead changes than we've seen in the Daytona 500s prior. I always feel like the Coke Zero 400 gets more lead changes than the 500 because Coke Zero 400, there's a little bit more desperation with the playoffs looming. Uh, the 500, you really are more tactical about preserving your position, if you will. 
Um, but we did see a lot of lead changes. We saw a lot of side by side and you'd see cars run side by side for multiple laps and one lap, this guy would edge ahead and the next lap, this guy would edge ahead. And we saw comers and goers. We saw different folks leading at different times. Uh, we saw good finishes to the stages. Martin Truex won both of those. The first one, he kind of dominated at the end. The second one, he made moves with like three, four or five laps to go, came through the field to win it and steal it away from Logano which I thought was the best part of stage two because that was a calm segment. Um, I really enjoyed what this car had to offer on the plate tracks. And I think Talladega will be just as good. And I think the Coke, uh, Coke 600, the Coke Zero 400 in August will be even better than the Daytona 500. Bold prediction alert. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I enjoyed the racing. I thought the car did what it was supposed to do and put on a good show. So the actual race itself, first 40 laps or so, very clean. You had some lead changes, but you want last year, my God, that la that wreck on lap 14 that took, you know, 14 cars out or whatever it was, 18, it destroyed the race. It turned into a, you know, 175 lap duel at Daytona because there just wasn't as, uh, enough cars. There wasn't any energy to make runs. It was a train race. It was fall the leader until the last lap where they went demolition derby, and that was not a good race. The 2021 Daytona 500 stunk. This year, we didn't have that big wreck early. It, it We had a big wreck in stage one, but it only took out eight cars, thankfully, and a couple were able to continue, but it didn't destroy the pack like the one did last year. And that first wreck was wild. Brad Keselowski pushing Harrison Burton. As, I think it was like five or six laps to go in stage one trying to position themselves for stage points for maybe the playoff point if they could win the stage. Harrison Burton, to that point, I think I had just commented to Margo how impressed I was with, with his run. And then he gets turned around in the Fox broadcast. My biggest gripe about the Daytona 500 was the Fox broadcast. They missed so much stuff. They focused so much on in-car cameras and bumper cameras that they missed so much great action and racing around them. Then there's a commercial every eight laps. So it's a bit hard to... In today's day and age where attention span is, is hard to gather, it makes it a bit hard to keep up with the race because you aren't focused for so much of the time because they're commercial. Um, but the reason I bring that up is during this big wreck, they had a bumper cam, and you see a couple cars play bumper tag, and then they cut away to William Byron and Kyle Busch sliding down the super stretch. Byron hits the wall, and after winning at New Smyrna the day before, it's like, no, not William. And then Clint Boyer goes, there's a car on the roof. And I'm like, wait, there was more than two cars involved in this? What the hell? How do we miss that? How do we only see two cars go spinning? And then you see Harrison Burton in trouble. You see Alex Bowman littered. You see, I think, Ross Chastain was in it and some others. It's like, what the hell happened? And how did somebody go upside down? How do we miss that? Denny Hamlin was in it too. That was a big name. It was taken out. And then they show the replay. Keselowski pushes Harry B., down into the field, Harrison Burton gets hit by Kyle Busch, and then he gets hit by Hamlin. When the car totally swung backwards, it did a classic blowover, like classic 2000s, 1990s-style blowover, which I did not expect to see at all with this car because of how much has gone into the research and development with an emphasis on keeping these cars on the ground. Uh, but Harry went upside down, and thankfully it, it rolled once, and, and as Tony Stewart put it, didn't bite and go over again. Because uh, if it had started barrel rolling, I, it might still be going down the back straightaway as I record. Um, that could have been much, much worse looking. But thankfully, it, just, it was a classic, you know, air flip and the kind of light roll on the roof back on all fours, slide down the back straightaway. And there, that's all she wrote. 
So, yeah, this wreck took out a few people. But like I said, it didn't destroy the race. It calmed the race down. Second stage, not too much happened. Um, honestly, not much happened until the third stage when Tyler Reddick appeared to have a mechanical problem. And he spun up into traffic, took out another four or five cars. And then, in my opinion, the final 20 laps were fantastic because you had you know, Ricky Stenhouse up there. You had Brad Keselowski up there. Um, Bubba Wallace was in the mix, whether you like him or hate him. Um, it really looked like, for a little while, this race was going to be maybe Ricky Stenhouse, of all people. But then there was some shuffling with, with about 10 to go that kind of, in, in my opinion, this wrecked really set up how the Daytona 500 was going to finish. Um, you had Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick get together in the tri-oval, uh, racing hard, good scrambling going on, and they ran into each other, couldn't save it. Joey Logano is involved, a couple others involved, and that set up a shootout with 10 to go. And, of course, you had to know at this point, everybody's going to be pushing. There's no way they're going to go these final 10 laps green because you can push with this car. You just can't really tandem all that well. You can give, you can give little bump drafts but you can't really lock together and just storm away. So you have to push hard. You have to bump. You have to really get that momentum going. And Kozlowski gets into Ricky Stenhouse, who was leading at this point. It, well, up until the restart, Stenhouse gets turned around. He gets wrecked. He's out of it. And that hand the lead over to Austin Sindrick. Who had Austin Sindrick on their radar? I sure as heck didn't. I mean, maybe I should have because Penske's good at restrictor plate tracks and uh, the two-car with Brad Keselowski was always a contender at the restrictor plate tracks, but who knew what Cindric was going to do, right? He assumes the lead. He's got Blaney to his inside. Blaney, by the way, was my pick to win. And I'm thinking, all right, Blaney's going to outduel this kid. Well, I guess there were some team orders, and uh, Blaney let Cindric down, and they played the teammate game until they came through the trioval. Blaney tried to go to the outside. Cindric blocked him, put him in the wall. I mean, not not maliciously, but blocked him, and... Blaney couldn't get a run. Here comes Bubba Wallace, last-ditch effort, but no, it was Austin Sindrick who took the win. A uh, Another what I like to call the Daytona 500 surprise. We know Austin Sindrick has the talent. Xfinity champion, runner-up last year, shoulda, coulda, woulda won it last year anyway. Um, but again, you just never know with these people when they move up to Cup if they're going to succeed, and especially with this new car. I mean, I guess everybody should have been on everybody's radar is this new car supposed to level the playing field? I'm sure we're going to see dominant teams, and it'll probably be much of the same as it was last year. But, uh, man, Austin Sindrick, I just didn't didn't see that coming. Did a great job. I'm not a huge Austin Sindrick fan. I, I, I remember back to when he just flat-out dumped Kaz Gralla in, in a truck race at one of the road courses, and ever since that moment, I was never a huge Austin Sindrick fan. But he's not on my S list, if you will. I don't hate the guy. It's just not my favorite. Don't never really been a big fan. So it was kind of like my, my feeling initially when the checkered flag flew was, wow, that was a great race, but not really digging the winner. So a little underwhelming, but I look back at it now and now that I've had a few days to reflect and, you know, Austin Sendrick seems to really be enjoying the win, not taking it for granted at all. Um, I'll be curious to see how he does the rest of the season. I think he'll get a win or two on a road course, maybe. Maybe contend for a random, you know, one-off oval victory. But I, I don't think that he's going to be championship contender by any means. I think he'll probably win rookie of the year. He's already in the playoffs, so he's got that on the rest of the field. Um, but no, I, I looking back at this year's 500, not knowing exactly what to expect with the new car, 
hoping that it wasn't going to be a train race for the leader snooze fest, which it definitely was not. I, I think it was one of the best Daytona 500s in recent memory. There were so many different players. There, you got your crashes. You had a flip. Uh, you had lead changes, more lead changes than we've had since the old cot platform where the with the tandem where they had to change the lead every two laps because of overheating issues. Um, Thirty five natural, if you will, lead changes. So that that tells me that the package is there and can only be improved upon. And I think it's a good stable basis for the new car. I, I think this will be one of those Daytona 500s during the offseason when I'm at work and want something in the background. I'll put this race on and relive it, even though I know that I'm not going to be thrilled with who won it. But it'll be a race worth watching again. Um, I give the race, man, I give it a 10. I was I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and I know there's a lot of people that don't like NASCAR. Um, some people even said the race was boring. I, I don't know what you want. Uh, you want you want like 1998-style racing? Yeah, that race was great. Earnhardt won it. But that, go look at the actual racing. It sucked. What do you want? You want that? No. I, I, I like that we don't have the tandem stuff anymore. I, I mean, obviously, you can lock together and maybe get a little bit of a momentum boost, but you can't lock on. That's what I noticed with these cars. You can't lock on and just push away from everybody. You can bump draft, which is good. Um, you just can't bump draft in the wrong spot, Brad Keselowski, or you'll wreck people. Brad Keselowski was a bit of a menace out there. Took some heat for sure. Um, surprise winner. Uh, overall good race. Um, I, I'm happy with it. I'm very happy. I can't wait for Dega. Can't wait for... Um, I, I'm hoping to go to the Coke Zero 400 again this year. Uh, if anything, take the kids for their first NASCAR experience. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I just... I really enjoyed the 500. Um, the rest of Speed Weeks at Daytona, the ARCA race, the the only good takeaway I have from the ARCA National Race was Daniel Dye finishing third. I hate the one-lap overtime in ARCA. Those cars, anyway, you, you can't get a run on anybody. You can't really do much. So one lap, you can't even get up to speed to make a run, so that was kind of lackluster. Uh, but Daniel Dye finished third, so there was that. Truck race was pretty meh until they had that big wreck with two to go. I still don't. I don't understand how they were able to get the caution out so quickly, but luckily Zane Smith, who should have won the race anyways, ended up winning the race. I, I love Zane Smith. He's probably my favorite truck driver right now, so I was thrilled for him and the Loves truck. So trucks did truck things. Rather typical truck race, big wreck at the end, and somebody survived to win it, so congratulations to Zane Smith there. Xfinity race was... I thought the the racing itself was good as far as Xfinity cars go, and then, man, that last lap crash. Holy cow. Um, I Obviously, I was working the Orange Blossom that night, but my goal was to come home and watch the race, so I tried to avoid spoilers. And somebody texted me like, hey, no spoiler, but the Xfinity race is worth watching. And so I knew I knew something was going to happen, and I didn't know if it was coming to the white flag or, you know, with five, ten laps to go. I knew something spectacular was coming, and it happened on the last lap when uh, Myatt Snyder got airborne. He did a he did a blowover, two blowovers in two days. It's very peculiar with two different series. But his car went up into the catch fence, and thank God it only hit the front and the back and ripped the engine out, and nobody got hurt. Thank God it was on the back straightaway where there's only a sparse amount of people, like Michael Jordan and Bubba Wallace hanging out back there. Um, thank God that wasn't on the front stretch. It didn't throw debris up into the crowd and all that stuff, but spectacular fiery crash in that one and uh austin hill first ever xfinity start gets the big one at daytona took it away from aj allmendinger who 
he's probably is probably my favorite Xfinity driver if you care. Um, ask me who my favorite Cup driver is. It's I don't know, man. It's it's hard to tell. I got a bunch of different people I root for. Ever since Jeff Gordon retired, I haven't had that one driver. I got Zane Smith and trucks. I got Almondinger and Xfinity. Ah, man, I hope Harry B does something in that 21 car because he might end up being my favorite driver. Um, but, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't I, – I have, like, five or six people that I get excited about when they win. Does that make me a fair weather fan? I don't know. But um, I thought it was a pretty typical speed weeks up until the 500. And I thought maybe, maybe even up until the Xfinity crash, maybe a little lackluster as far as speed weeks goes. But then the 500 came, and it was phenomenal. That 500 was great. It was great. I thought it was great. There you go. thought the Daytona 500 was great this year. And I cannot wait to see how this car does at Fontana. Fontana's going to be a completely different race. We're going to have more horsepower, less downforce. It's not going to be a pack race, guys. It's going to be more of a traditional NASCAR-style race. Fontana's worn out. I guess they're putting PJ1 down. or, or No, they're not PJ1. They're putting the resin down with the tire dragon to get some rubber, some grip on the racetrack because they haven't raced there in so long. Um, it's going to be a true test for this car because Fontana has the potential to be a snooze fest. The previous package was terrible at Fontana, but this is not the previous package. Is this going to look more like a 2014-2015 type race? Probably, where like you get some close action on the restarts and then they string out, but then tire wear comes into play. The cars are hopefully loose and hard to drive, so you'll get some random spins that'll bunch up the field and maybe you know, take a player or two out of the, out of the race or out of contention. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. It's another wild card. I'm very intrigued. I hope that it is a good show. I hope it is a good race. I would expect somebody from either Hendrick Motorsports or Joe Gibbs to win it. Um, if we see somebody else from a different team other than Hendrick or Gibbs, I will be surprised. So maybe there's that. Uh, but I am looking forward to it. I will be watching it Sunday. Uh, we'll be talking about cup racing next week again on the show and um i will not be attending any races this weekend we have a uh, baby shower to go to uh, one of margo's front good friends that she hasn't seen in a while uh, so i will not be live at any racetracks but i'll try to keep up with what's going on in the racing world and we will have a show next week for sure and i appreciate you guys listening to this one i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed the different analytic look at speed weeks not just a Here's what happened on night one. Here's what happened on night two. Here's what happened at the end. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed talking about it. I, I really enjoyed the speed weeks. Um, enjoyed the stuff at New Smyrna. Um, wish I could have been at Citrus for the for the wheelman stuff. Oh, congratulations, Anthony Cataldi won the wheelman race. Um, if you go back and listen to the episode with Ricky Brooks, you could tell he was not happy with the first wheelman race at Auburndale. It was night and day. Clean race. Uh, I watched the replay uh, of the wheelman race on racing America, 20 minutes long. They kicked ass. Great job of the wheelman series. Great job for Ricky and everybody working and racing with that series to turn it around. So there's a little bit of a positive note there. So congratulations, Anthony Cataldi. Jake Perkins leads the points. I believe he was second last week. So that, uh, that should bring you up to speed on, on the other important things going on. And I, I think we covered it all on this episode, a little bit long episode. Uh, thanks to speed racer, Speed Racer Photos, Tyler Sontag, and thanks to American Auto and EJ Wilcoxon for being the big sponsors on the show. Of course, American Auto, they they bought like 40 episodes, guys. So they're they're a primary lead sponsor. 
Um, if you would like to be a sponsor on the show, by all means, $5 an episode. That's all we charge. If you'd like to get your name attached to this thing, um, please just let me know. We'll get you on board. Appreciate you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Hope you enjoyed this year's extravaganza in February. 